630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, well, a lot to sort out after that provincial announcement that we had for you live on 630 Chad. I want to communicate this to sports fans, people who attend games in the city. Now, we know that the Oilers Entertainment Group had announced that for events in Rogers Place, there was going to be the proof of vaccination required or proof of a negative COVID test 48 hours or less prior to the start of the game that you are attending. The initial indications are is that uh, OEG will be able to proceed with that plan. Now, I want to stress here, things are still being sorted out. Everything was announced in the last 60 minutes or less. Um, but uh, it appears that from what has been communicated to me that OEG is optimistic that they'll be able to proceed with their proof of vaccination slash proof of negative test plan for when fans get into the building on September 28th. Of course, if that changes, we'll have it updated for you here on 630 Chet. As for the Edmonton Elks, now we know that their proof of uh, vaccination policy to go to games at Commonwealth is starting for the games in October. And uh, I can tell you that right now, I don't know what is happening on Saturday. Given the the restrictions that are, are currently put in place and that what they're calling the restriction exemption program, which is basically a vaccine passport program, doesn't start until Monday. Now, I'm not trying to be alarmist. Uh, I'm not trying to upset anybody, uh, but I have to present all the possible options if, if we're in a state of speculation here. And given what was communicated tonight and given the timing of things for the Edmonton Elks, it, it, it seems to me possible that Saturday's game could be played uh, with maybe no fans, maybe very few fans be, because of the restrictions. Uh, the, the Elks are, are, are still piecing this together as well, as is OEG, though given the timing for OEG, they appear a little more op- optimistic that their attendance won't be affected. I, I think this is going to be a story for the Elks coming up on Saturday. So just something to uh, to keep in mind. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, of course, COVID crossing over with everything in the world, including sports, but we'll have primarily a sports focus uh, over the uh, next hour tonight and uh, try to lift your spirits a little bit. And we start with a really positive story from the Edmonton Elks, a guy who's been a member of the organization for, uh, well, I guess about two and a half years, but he's yet to play a game. But I think that's about to change. I'm pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports offensive lineman, Sir Vincent Rogers. Sir V, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, my man? Hey, how you doing, Reed? Um, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Doing pretty good. Well, first of all, thanks for staying on hold while I gave that update, but it was important to uh, to communicate that to everybody at, at this time, as obviously with COVID, things are changing all the time. Hey, man, like, first of all, I, I don't know if you can tell me 100% or not, but I'll ask it this way. Are you on track to finally play a game in green and gold on Saturday? Um, So basically what's happened is, you know, I've been on the six-game injured list, and the last week, being on the injured list, you're able to practice. And so I was going to practice this week because, you know, I'm healthy enough to do so. I'm going to practice this week regardless. And so, you know, I guess we'll just have to see Saturday, you know, what the, what the lineup is and how things go whenever we drop uh, our, our game day roster to see um, if I'll be in the mix or not. But I'm certainly feeling good, and it's been, it's been good to get back on the field with the guys. Okay. Well, I, I'm glad you're feeling good. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, a, a tough go for you. 
let's flash all the way back because I want to remind people, and correct me if I'm wrong, the last game you played in the Canadian Football League was the 2018 Grey Cup, November 25th, 2018. You're absolutely correct. The last stadium I played in was here in the 2018 Grey Cup, um, and I lost against Calgary at the time. Um, And, yeah, man, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back on the field. Hopefully it is this Saturday. If it is, you know, I'll be prepared and uh, excited about the challenge of it. But, yeah, it has been a long time coming, and I put a lot of work in to, you know, to work through it all, and so we'll see Saturday. You know, I, I hope you don't mind that I got to flash back a little bit. Because of your injured status, you, you haven't been doing as much media media as a well-spoken guy like you usually would. Uh, but it was back in, uh, it was, you know, you were signed by the Elks in February 2019, and then you tore your left tricep in training camp, which sounds like a, an extremely painful injury. Can you tell us about, you know, dealing with that and just the the difficulty of being an injured player for an entire season? That's going to be just incredibly stressful to go through. Yeah, I was excited to sign here. Obviously, in free agency, it was a big deal coming here. And I knew the challenge of coming here and the rich tradition that this organization has. And so I was looking forward to it. And unfortunately, at that time, I tore my tricep the second day of training camp. And, uh, went, you know, went through a lot that season just trying to get healthy and was, like, really pushing. Typically, it's a six to, uh, I want to say six to eight-month recovery. And so I was really pushing for that, that six-month mark, which would have put me, would have, would have placed me available for the playoffs. Um, and, you know, just couldn't get healthy enough to, to get back for the 2019 season. And then the COVID season in 2020, in which I was fully healthy by the spring and hopeful to, you know, to come and that be, you know, my, you know, my first game and all that stuff, the start of the 2020 season. And then that season was canceled. And here we are now in the, in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, trying to get games in and trying to, you know, trying to get a full season in now and, you know, hopefully Saturday is that opportunity, but, we'll, you know, we'll see. But just been through a lot, and I've definitely worked through a lot, and um, I look forward to whenever that time is, I'll be able to represent the EE on the field. All right, All right so what did you do last year? I ask every CFL player this because you didn't get to play. Some, some guys retired, like James Wilder Jr. retired. <laughs> now he's yeah. back and racking up yards for you guys. What did you do last year? Um, I was a teacher <laughs> i was uh you know i was a dad i was uh you know my responsibilities to my kid and my family and things like that i really got to pour a lot into my kids they were doing virtual learning from home in which you know i was on daddy duty as a teacher doing you know doing double duty and uh it was a fun time man just got to soak up a lot of time with them and um yeah that was pretty much how i spent spent the off the off year <laughs> All right. Well, you're not the first uh, player to tell me that, that they took on some extra duties as a parent that, uh, <laughs> that they might not Absolutely. have otherwise, for sure. Sir Vincent Rogers from the Edmonton Elks joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Now, now this year, obviously, you were public about uh, getting COVID, even though you were vaccinated. Now, I understand like you, you got through that uh, fairly unscathed. You didn't feel that sick, or how did you feel? Yeah, my symptoms were um, were very, very mild. Um, the, mo- the most I would say I could complain of was just the congestion. My nasal congestion was pretty bad, but as far as the way I felt, you know, I was sluggish for a couple of days, a little bit, 
but I wasn't in any pain or anything like that. I lost taste and smell for a day. And really that was it. Other than that, you know, I felt like, you know, I felt fine. And so I was extremely um, fortunate and glad that I did get the vaccine after that. Um, and so, yeah, I felt like I should be vocal about that and at least put out my, you know, my personal situation out there for anyone who, you know, may have been on the fence about whether they wanted to get vaccinated or not. They at least have it, you know, at their disposal. Like, this is what happened with him. Um, but, yeah, that was pretty much it. Just wanted to put my story out there as far as anyone who might be on the fence about getting vaccinated. Okay. Well, and now, you know, whenever you play, whether it's Saturday or, or soon, you're you're going to be coming in to help out a team that has had uh, some really, really good moments offensively and uh, some very frustrating moments offensively. Uh, certainly, um, you know, parts of that game against Calgary on Saturday didn't go the way anybody wanted. I mean, you've played with Trevor before. You've been part of some really good teams. You've been part of some teams that maybe didn't click as much as you like. What what What's the difference? I mean, you've been out there on the field because, you know, for guys like me watching and fans in the stands, they're sitting there thinking, man, oh, man, like Monday they scored all these points and now it's Saturday and they're <laughs> they're hardly mo- moving the ball. How do you make sure you're on that right side of the fine line more often than not? Um, that's a good question. You know, pertaining to Trevor, you know, to my knowledge, well, you know, overhearing a conversation, I think earlier today, I think he's leading in all the um, passing statistical categories. You know, and that hasn't been equating to wins for us, and we have to figure out as a team how to go about getting a win. But I think statistically, you know, Trevor is as good as he's as he's been in his career. Um, I do think, you know, in my mind, he's played in in three different three different versions of an offense in the last three se- his last three seasons, and I don't think people think about that think about it much or you know give it much mind, but. That's a lot for a quarterback, and this is something he'll never say, but, you know, that's a great challenge within itself. Um, played in one system in Ottawa in 18, 19 here. We played in, in, in Jason Moss's system, and now he's, you know, in Jamie Elizondo, our head coach's system now, and it's a version of what we had in Ottawa, with, you know, but it's, a, it, it's some subtle differences as well. So, in my mind, that's three different offenses he's had to learn in three different seasons where – you know, the other top quarterbacks in this league, they've been playing in one system, most of these guys, and are very, very comfortable. Trevor seems to be, statistically, he seems to be comfortable in the offense. So, like I said, now we have to figure out how to make our efforts equate to wins. I'm just hopeful that I could, you know, play a role and be alongside my guys when we go to battle on Saturday. Um, but, yeah, we got to start making making these, uh, these efforts, turning these efforts into wins instead of losses. I'll ask you about one more guy that um, you know you'll probably face at some point this year, if not Saturday, maybe in a few weeks, because you guys do play Winnipeg three times this season. He was on the show last night, uh, Willie Jefferson. Um, you know he was fun to talk to. Obviously, he's got a lot of confidence for him right now, and his message was: if if I can't get the sack, I'm I'm going to jump up and use my six foot seven size height and wingspan and, and knock that ball down uh, for you as an offensive lineman to talk about going up against Willie or someone like Willie, the, the challenges there and sort of embracing trying to shut down such a great player. Yeah, man, I know Willie Jefferson, you know, fairly well. We're both from Texas. He he's from Beaumont, Texas, which is an hour away from where I'm from in Texas, a small town I'm from in Texas. So I'm familiar with him. We know each other. Well, um, he's a great player. 
you know, I don't know if you can really create a formula to try to stop, you know, a six foot, you know, six, seven, or, you know, however tall he is, guy who is a former receiver, now turned defensive end, you know, just his attributes and his makeup, you know, it, it's hard to come up with a formula to stop a guy like that. He's a really great player. You know, what we're hoping to do is to come in and play well up front as a group, as an O-line, and, um, you know, we'll live with those results as long as we're all on the same page and battling together, we'll live with those results. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, hey, we're going to go have to battle it out. Willie knows me. I know him. If I'm in that lineup, he knows what I bring to the table. I know what he brings to the table. And I think that should call for a good battle uh, on Saturday night if I'm able to be in the lineup. Well, Sir Vincent, I wish you the best when you return, whether it's Saturday or a game or two down the road. Uh, long overdue for you to debut debut for the Elks. I know you're looking forward to it, and the fans are as well. And Thanks for sharing your story here over the last couple of years. Really appreciate you hopping on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Reed. You guys have a nice rest of the show. There we go. That is Sir Vincent Rogers from the Edmonton Elks. And yeah, I, I gave you the date. I mean, it's hard to believe, but that's that's how it's gone for him and obviously for everybody in the CFL last season. November 25th, 2018 was the last time Sir V played a game. Injured for all of 2019. No season this year. Uh, chest injury and uh, COVID, as he explained at the start of this year. So now uh, he's finally ready to go. I've, I will tell you this. I would think since he was made available to the show, pretty good sign that he's healthy enough to play on, on Saturday. So I, I would lean towards him being in the lineup for sure. It is 719. Uh, we'll have more on the Dylan Holloway story with the Oilers as we go along as well. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Good chat with Sir Vincent Rogers. It's the Elks and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Saturday at Commonwealth. Six o'clock for the countdown to kickoff. 7.45 for the actual kickoff here on 6.30. Ched, the Oilers rookies will play the Flames rookies at five o'clock at Rogers Place. No fans uh, allowed in for that one. Uh, I'll be keeping you updated uh, over Twitter. You can also stream the game through the Oilers website. Now, again, I, I just want to clarify what I was talking about earlier, and I suppose by clarify, I also want to remind you that we, we don't have all the answers. This is all just happening. So some of this is speculation. But initially, uh, I have been led to believe, with with the caveat this that this is still being sorted out, that OEG's plan of uh, proof of vaccination or a recent negative COVID text should be good under what will be the provincial reg, uh, rules by September 28th. Uh, the Elks are having that proof of vax negative test uh, policy in place of starting in for their games in October. They have a game Saturday. Um, now, I have been uh, texting with a couple of people uh, who have said that, that some of these restrictions on outdoor gatherings don't start until Monday. Uh, I, I did speculate earlier in the show that w would the Elks be allowed to have fans in Commonwealth uh, on Saturday? Well, well, some of the stuff related to outdoor gatherings doesn't come into effect until uh, Saturday so, or until Monday. So uh, to use the cliche, it, it's an ongoing story. Uh, these, uh, these clubs, these organizations will clarify what is happening for their home games, obviously, because they want fans there and they want fans to be comfortable. So that's kind of where we're at. All, all this was announced 
in, in the last 90 minutes. And uh, I know that both uh, the Elks and OEG are going through all of this, but I'm just telling you about some of the initial things that I've been in communication with people about. Dylan Holloway, one of the Oilers' top prospects, he's out for three months. He needed surgery again on an injury. We'll break down what happened when we get back. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The uh, Blue Jays played this afternoon. Bo Bichette, Homer, matched his career high with five RBIs. Robbie Ray, 13 strikeouts over seven innings. Blue Jays beat the Tampa Bay Rays 6-3. Vladdy Jr. doubled twice, scored twice. How about this? The Jays are 13-2 in September. I, I want to emphasize there, there's a lot to sort through. For the Oilers and the Elks about attendance at home games, it's it sounds positive that the Oilers will be able to proceed with their proof of vax negative test requirement when preseason games begin at Rogers Place on the 28th. Um, the Elks have a similar policy coming in for games that are in October. It, it's a little gray to me about what might happen on Saturday. Uh, I'm just sorting through some information myself here after, like you, probably listening to the uh, to the news conference. Um, it, it appears that for uh, outdoor events between now and the 20th, so that would include the Elks game on the 18th, that there are no capacity on uh, no capacity restrictions on fully outdoor events, but there has to be two meter distancing between people from distant uh, different households which could mean the elks might have to shuffle people around um to, to space them out a little more so I, I again i i'm sure well i know the elks are working on that and they're they're gonna let their fans know when they've uh when they figured it out all right so that's what I can tell you right now. Significant Oilers news today. Rookie camp started without one of their top prospects on the ice. Dylan Holloway will miss three months. General Manager Ken Holland commented. The scaphoid bone is a bone that um, takes a long time to heal because it's a part of the body where there's um, very little blood flow. So over the course of um, you know June, July, and August, um, Dylan would come up here on a regular basis to Edmonton. Uh, we'd have pictures taken, see our team doctors. Um, the pictures showed that it was uh, healing very, very slowly. Um, and they put him on a bone stimulator and basically made a decision here in the last uh, couple of weeks that um, he would have surgery again. Surgery was a little bit different than what was done in Chicago. And uh, as the press release said, he's now obviously starting from scratch and he's minimum of three months. And we'll see where he's at uh, after we get three months down the road. All right, so uh, tough news there for Dylan Holloway, who had surgery uh, twice. He was injured while playing for Wisconsin, had surgery in Chicago in March, and as Ken Holland alluded to, simply wasn't improving. I think Holland at one point said he really only had about 30% improvement. So we have a lot to learn about this injury, and to help us with that from leading-edge physiotherapy, Grant Fedorik is going to hop on the line. Grant, the first thing I'm going to clarify is something very simple. Um, you're the what, What's the correct pronunciation of this bone? 
We call it the scaphoid, but uh, really it's spelled S-C-A-P-H, so people will say scaphoid, but um, most commonly we call it the scaphoid bone. The scaphoid bone. I, I understand it's it's relatively small, uh, mm-hmm. yet is something that athletes often uh, can wind up injuring. Tell us tell us a little bit about the bone itself. Yeah, absolutely. So it's one of, it's one of the wrist bones. So in your wrist, your radius and ulna come down. That's one of the, the two bones most people know, the outside bone being the radius, and if your palm is up, and the inside bone being the ulna. And right up against the radius, the next bone, and it's actually one of the only bones that articulates with the wrist and that or with the hand and that is the scaphoid and it is very small poorly vascularized it does not have a lot of um, perfusion from the or blood flow to it very common sports injury if somebody has ever fallen with their hand outstretched like skateboarding or skiing or obviously hockey it can happen with a slash to the wrist it's a very common one to to uh, fracture Okay, so, you know, we understand here with Holloway, he had surgery, and as Ken Holland explained, it just it just wasn't healing. They tried bone stimulation. Holland referenced today that uh, as Holloway was going through the summer, he, he couldn't pass, you know, properly. He couldn't take face-offs. He was, you know, when he was cross-checking, he couldn't take that, uh, that impact. Why is it such a little beast to, to heal properly for some people? Well, the issue is, is when it doesn't heal. And, and so, number one, the biggest issue that occurs when a blood, when you don't get blood flow to a bone like that, where it's a smaller bone, is that it'll actually die. And you get something called avascular ne- necrosis. And think of the word necrosis. That's not a good thing. It means the bone is no longer functioning the way that it should. And it'll actually collapse in ways. And so every time he would go to use that wrist, it, be, it can be very painful and uh, obviously disruptive to an athlete that needs their hands so so much in a sport. So ultimately, that's kind of what happened in through there. And with pain, you get something called inhibition. The muscles can no longer fire. He wouldn't have the strength he needed. Just think about how many times you've done something and you, it hurts. And what's the first thing? You let go. You're, there's weakness immediately as a result. And so... For an athlete, that's obviously not going to work to play at that high level. All right. So a second surgery, which was done yesterday here in Edmonton by a hand specialist, and now at least three months recovery time. I mean, Ken Holland said we'll, we'll see where he's at after that. Hopefully he gets to go to Bakersfield and, and start playing some games. Um, is that is that reasonable to you, uh and of course, you know, he can't do much for the next, he can't do anything with the hand for a while. He can't even, and for the next week or two, he won't even be able to work out otherwise. Is that a reasonable time frame in your mind? Yeah, absolutely. I think being conservative, especially after a second surgery, is essential. So the first surgery, it also, it, it was really, I can't speak for the surgeon or anybody at the Oilers group, but it's not uncommon for the surgery not to go well for the same reasons why he would have had surgery in the first place. And so oftentimes they'll do a second attempt and often those go much, they, they can do better. Um, but there's no doubt when he's going to be immobilized for a long period of time. And as a result of that, the recovery becomes longer. The longer you don't use something, the more time it takes to recover from. And being, being conservative at this point is essential to make sure that the second surgery doesn't fail and that that bone is vascularized and healthy. Is it, and, and, and look, I could be asking a question just totally off the side of my hat here. Is it, I mean, he's 19. Is this better that it happened to him at, at a younger age or would, you know, age or 
the stage in your development not really matter for something like this? Yeah, unfortunately, age plays a role. There's no question about it. So youth does help um, with the recovery. Also, even taking away the healing guide, the healing um, kind of time frame for it all, you um, you essentially know that we are all going to have to start to do strengthening and find dexterity in that. And the younger you are, the quicker that recovery is. So. So his three-month time frame, I think, is reasonable. I think if you if you took that and there was somebody else, it might be a little bit longer. Okay. Well, we appreciate this perspective because uh, I, I was very curious about this as as the Oilers announced it today and Ken Holland was was talking about it. So thanks for sharing uh, some of your expertise. Hey, for, and how are things going at Leading Edge Physio? We remind everybody where uh, you guys can be found and some of the hard work you're, you continue to do to help people even through the pandemic and all the craziness. Yeah, thanks for that. I mean, we're, it, things are great, you know, as good as they can be. We're doing our best to just keep people functioning and at work and doing what they enjoy doing. So, you know, obviously I wish uh, Dylan the best in his recovery. Nobody wants to see somebody, you know, suffer with any injury, let alone one that's being a little more stubborn like this. And so on behalf of all of us big Oiler fans over at Leading Edge, let's all, uh, you know, just wish him the best. All right. Grant, thank you so much for hopping on, man. Uh, I always, uh, I always appreciate your time. Hope the family's doing well too, man. We'll see you soon. Yeah, take care. That is Grant Fedoric from Leading Edge Physiotherapy. So a little more insight into the scaphoid bone that uh, Dylan Holloway had the second surgery on yesterday here in Edmonton after having the first surgery in Chicago in March. He's, you know, he's one of the Oilers' top prospects. Probably unlikely he would have been in the NHL this year, but hopefully he can get through this three months or so, get on the ice and play for the Bakersfield Condors, and then go from there. Rookie camp did start today. No on-ice sessions for the rookies. They're going to practice tomorrow morning. Jay Woodcroft, the head coach of the Condors, will lead those sessions. The vets continue to hold their captain skates, the informal skates at Rogers Place. Duncan Keith joined the group today, so that's pretty exciting. All right, we got to take a quick timeout. Of course, Grant joined us, as did Sir V, on the Certainty Hotline, Certainty Professional Grade Building Material, 780-496-0063. Back in a couple of minutes, Inside Sports on Chet. Okay. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, we had the Latest uh, COVID announcement preempting the first hour of Inside Sports. Uh, I, I realize there are far greater concerns than uh, the sports world, but the sports world is one of many aspects of life impacted by COVID. So I, I did touch on that, that um, we don't, I don't know for sure. And there's nothing official from the Edmonton Elks tonight, how Saturday's home game is going to be affected. From what I understand from the, uh, restrictions I, I heard announced and from what I've seen uh, read people posting in stories and on social media that there's no uh, there, there's no uh, crowd size restriction for outdoor events at, for, for this Saturday's game. I'm not talking about beyond that. Let's just talk about this Saturday. There's no crowd size restriction but there is social distancing uh, expected to be in place 
So I, I don't know if the Elks uh, will wind up limiting the attendance or if they're going to have to uh, space people out differently. So your usual seat may not wind up being your seat. I don't know. I'm just putting all those out there um, as possibilities. So that's what that's what I can tell you there. Obviously, the Elks will speak to that once it's all sorted out, as will OEG. But the initial reaction from OEG, again, with things still to be determined, is that as of the 28th, when the Oilers play a preseason game at Rogers Place, OEG's uh, plan of proof of vaccination and a negative COVID test within 48 hours of the game time uh, will be acceptable to have uh, to have full fans in the building. So that's what I can tell you there. But as we know, with most things in life, and especially with COVID, it uh, could change, and maybe we'll be talking about a different story Thursday and or Friday. But uh, the Elks do play Saturday, and of course it's on 6.30, Chad. 7.45 is the start of the game, 6 o'clock for the countdown to kick off with Dave Morley, Blake, and Eddie. We were talking about Dylan Holloway, the scaphoid bone surgery. The second surgery he's had this year, General Manager Ken Holland tells you what is next for Holloway. The plan right now is he's gone home for a week. He's he's, he's, he's he to spend some time at home for a week here. Obviously, can't do anything for the first. You know, talking to TD Force yesterday, the first couple of weeks, um, really can't he can't even train because you know they don't want him to sweat um you know we're going to be very conservative that's why we've said three months minimum um we don't we don't know we're going to be very conservative so for the first two to four weeks there's going to be not a lot going on in terms of off-ice training let's start the um the healing process and then he'll be here you know for a period of time and then when it if, if hopefully things are are going good um and then at some point in time we'll get him into uh, probably go down to bakersfield obviously and, and 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 skate there every day and then start playing whenever the um hand specialist and the doctors give him the green light but obviously it's, it's a real unknown right now so we're, we're going to be very slow very cautious and very conservative um, because we want, we, we don't want this to happen again. All right. So uh, there you have it. And Grant Fedoric from Leading Edge Physiotherapy was on the show and said the conservative approach, definitely the smart approach here for the Oilers dealing with Dylan Holloway. So uh, all the other guys will be on the uh, on the ice for rookie camp starting tomorrow. They did the medicals and the physicals today. Jay Woodcroft, the coach of the Bakersfield Condors, the Oilers AHL team, leading the rookie camp, and he tells you about. Uh, what do you expect the purpose of the camp here? It is an evaluation camp. It's an opportunity for uh, our, the youngest players in our organization to make an impact, um, to grow their game each day, um, to hopefully earn a spot in, in main training camp. So it's, a, it's an important time and an important step for, for these younger players to set the table for their month of September, uh, sure, but also to set the table for um, their year as a whole. All right, one guy that you're going to be watching, Philip Broberg, who was the Oilers' first-round pick, eighth overall in 2019. He's, you know, he was with the Oilers in the bubble in the summer of uh, 2020. He's played for the Swedish World Junior Team. He was playing in uh, Skelleftia last season. Definitely a, a guy that the Oilers are hoping is going to become a big part of their blue line here as they move along. Broberg had this to say about his past season. I was happy with the start of the season. Went uh, to World Juniors and... Uh didn't really go our way in World Juniors and uh, come back and 
wasn't really happy with the, the finish of the season, but uh, I was preparing, preparing myself this summer to uh, have a better season this year. Um, so just look forward for it. All right. Yeah, Broberg, uh, you know, from what I've seen him play in previous camps, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. Can definitely skate, good size, six foot four, about 200 pounds, left shot defenseman. So uh, hopefully somebody that can jump in on the Oilers' blue line, I, I would not say this year, but maybe maybe next year. Xavier Burgo, the Oilers' first-round draft pick from this past summer, 22nd overall, plays with Shawinigan in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He was talking about what he wants to get out of this rookie camp. I want to play like a... Like com- comfortable on the ice, not get impressed by the other one, but uh, for sure, uh, like I, I want to show that uh, for the next year, and I will be able to to make my my place here, even if at this camp, like to to show my my game and what can I do on the ice. Uh, I know I'm very young, but like in my mind right now, it just I want to like already make the team. I know I'm very young, but just try my best. Uh, everything can happen, but uh, for sure, I'm very young and. Like, I'll forget this, this uh, aspect, but uh, for sure, I'll, I'll play like I want to make the team. Xavier Borgo with Shawinigan last season. They played a, sh- a shortened year like the Western Hockey League. He had 40 points in 29 games. He was named a finalist for the Frank J. Selkie Trophy, which in the Quebec Major Junior League is the award for sportsmanship. He was a finalist for that this past season. I'll tell you what, we'll have plenty more from Oilers Rookie Camp over the next uh, couple, into next week. And, of course, the vets continue to skate with the captain skates at Rogers Place. We'll preview the Elks and the Bombers when we get back at it with a full show planned tomorrow from 6 to 8. Again, we're going to have ongoing coverage of the COVID situation in the province. Uh, Daryl's on in the morning at 5.30. Then we got Shay, Jalen in the afternoon. Everything relevant will be right here on 6.30. Chad, and, of course, including anything that impacts attendance for the Oilers and the Elks, Bob Stoffer as Oilers now from noon to two tomorrow. You heard from Sir Vincent Rogers and Grant Fedoric, Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. My name's Reed. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.